Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Destiny Church. Great to see you guys today. Des already said it, but I'm going to say it like this. Didn't our worship team put a clinic on today? Just an incredible job. And Brandon, we are just so blessed to have you and and Ashley leading this and just seeing just what's happening over the short time you've been here. Um, Just an incredible job. Um, So, hey, I want to do something before I get started. I hope they're in the room. Is Austin and Celeste in the room? They were supposed to stay in this room, and they defied what I said. I think Austin, or I'm sorry, I think Brandon, where are they? Austin and Celeste, come up here for a second. There's Celeste. I don't see Austin, though. Austin and Celeste are, um, have been such great people to have around here. And they, this is their last Sunday, and I just wanted to honor them. They are moving to South Carolina. And uh, I'm trying to wait till Austin gets in the room for this, but... Uh, so she, she said, I can call him. Um, but um, um, we'll just stand up here with some awkward silence for a second. And, and uh, so they helped us um, with youth um, for a while. And they have just been key players um, as far as what you see that's going on up here on the screen. And what you, uh, you see Austin up here playing bass um, a lot. And he is a whiz at what we call pro presenter. That's, that is, uh, there he is. Hey, thanks for joining us, bud. But I just wanted to honor them because they have been some key players around here for a while. And, um, and I think it's important that we send them out and we cover them in prayer. Um, they're moving to South Carolina. Austin has decided to go to culinary school. And uh, so that is what they're doing. And then um, I told him, I said, well, get you two years in and come back here and open up a restaurant. And I said, that's, that's how it's supposed to work. Uh, um, but thank you guys for everything that you've done and, and just your heart to serve. And uh, uh, we're going to miss you guys very much. And uh, we're, we're just so appreciative of you. But we wish you the absolute best. And uh, Celeste has got a tear running down her face. So. Will you guys do me a favor? Would you extend your hand this way? Let's bless them. Let's pray for them. Jesus, we thank you so much for Austin and Celeste. I thank you for everything uh, that they have done at Destiny Church, the investment that they have made in this house. And I just pray right now, Lord, now that you would send them off and invest in them, and I pray that doors would open. I pray that, uh, uh, I just pray for blessing in their life financially, and health, um, in all areas, God, we know you're ordering every step that they take, and uh, we just bless them as their church family, and we thank you so much for what you're going to do in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love you guys. Thank you guys so much. Well, we are going to continue um, in Luke today, and um, as Pastor Chad introed Luke chapter 1. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, I have a lot to say. I, I have a lot to say. Um, 
you know, I have, I have just, I keep cutting things out of this message, and I've got it whittled down to like two and a half hours, so, so, I, you know, it was like four, but I'm just kidding, but um, I do want to do, do this, I came across this this week, and I, and I want to give you something, I'm always coming across little things that, just little daily devotions, and real quick, these are seven things, this has nothing to do with the message, but these are seven things that you need to speak over your child. Okay, and I want you to, if you want to, you can write these down. Number one, you need to tell your kids, I love you. It's important. I didn't grow up in a family of that, and so I, I make it a point. I always tell my kids that I love them. Number two, you need to tell them, I support you. Support everything that they do. Number three, you need to say, I'm listening to you. A lot of times we do a lot of telling, okay? It's important. You need to tell your kids that you are listening to them. Number four, I believe in you. No matter how absurd the idea is, your kids need to know that you believe in them. Number five, you need to tell them, I am here for you. I am here for you. Number six, you need to tell them this, that you matter to me. They need to hear that from you from time to time. And number seven, you need to tell them that the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. <laughs> Okay? And there's not a close second. Okay? Make sure your kids understand this. We're going to talk about Luke chapter 1 today. Y'all thought I was serious with that, didn't you? How many of you, when you watch a movie or a TV show that's in a different time period, or maybe when you were a kid, you know, you... you you almost put, you put yourself in that moment, and what would it have been like? I watched this show when I was a kid. So the, you, the young people have no idea what this show is called, but you that are about my age or older, do you remember a TV show called Airwolf? You remember Airwolf? It was a, it was a military helicopter, and uh, there were two guys. There was the pilot and then, like, the weapons specialist. It was like an Apache-type helicopter, and they would go overseas and go on these missions, and they were the heroes. They would rescue everybody. And me and a friend of mine, would we would go to church on Sunday morning, and then we would go to one of our houses during the afternoon, and we would play Airwolf. We would rescue people. We put cardboard boxes up. We put all kinds of stuff around us to make a helicopter. And then we would go to Sunday night church. Anybody remember Sunday night church? So we did that every single Sunday. But I got to thinking about how, you know, I went to Israel in September, and I, I got to thinking about how just I, when I was there, I would just put myself in that moment when they would teach us and show us the Sea of Galilee and show us, you know, what would it have been like? You know, yes, I still make believe as, a, as an adult. What would it have been like if I were actually there? And, and, and I'm thinking about Luke here. You know, how many of you... You know, everybody's going to raise their hand. How many of you have read Luke chapter 2? You know, the birth of Jesus, right? How many of you have read this at least 100 times or at least heard it 100 times? I think all of us have, okay? How many of you have read Luke chapter 1 100 times? A few. You see, when we think of Luke, our minds go to the birth of Jesus, right? But there is a really, really cool story in Luke chapter 1. And it's not something that I have studied a lot. I've read it several times. But as I've jumped into this in the last few weeks, 
you know, we know, you know, we understand that Luke chapter one. There's a story. Uh, it, it's 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 about Elizabeth and Mary, and they are cousins, and so that makes Jesus and John the Baptist second cousins. You know, and from Luke chapter two, we read about the birth, the life, the teaching, the 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 illegal trial, the death, the burial, the resurrection. But let me tell you something, Luke chapter 1 has one of the most astonishing stories in all of the Bible, and we're going to talk about it today. There's so many layers, there's so many things, this is before Jesus ever enters the scene, and it said that Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies while he was on earth. All of these prophecies in the Old Testament from Ezekiel to Isaiah and Jeremiah and so many more. There's so many prophecies that Jesus came to fulfill. But John the Baptist, who we're going to learn a little, bit, a little bit about today, fulfilled one as well. And the point I want to make to you before we read this is this book is full of living, breathing stories and principles that will help you and I navigate through life and help others who don't know the good news of Jesus. And so I'm excited to share this with you today. Matthew's account, and I'm just kind of setting this up before we read it. Matthew's account starts off with the genealogy of Jesus. You know, it goes from Abraham and all the descendants to David and all those descendants all the way to Jesus. Mark starts his account of the gospel with John the Baptist as an adult. John goes a totally different route. And he just kind of instantly gets right up in your face and says, in the beginning, the Word was with God, and, and, and the Word was God. But when you go to Luke, we read in Luke chapter 1, two stories about two women and their miracle pregnancies. And so I want to start this today, Luke chapter 1, verse 5, picking up from verse, verses 1 through 4, Pastor Chad taught last week, Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah, and he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was an, unable to conceive, and they were both very old. I'm gonna, I want to teach today. This is totally different from my style of preaching. I, I like to tell stories, uh, you know, tell a few jokes, but give you three or four really good points that you can apply to your life. I'm, I'm going to teach you today. So if you're taking notes, it's on message notes on destinychurch.me. And uh, um, if, you, if you take notes, I encourage you to, to write some of this stuff down. Zechariah was a priest. Elizabeth was from the lineage of Aaron. We know that Aaron was Moses' brother and was from the, the Levites, who were the priests. Um, it's believed that Zechariah also came from a family um, that, had, that had some background in being priests. So you could say that Zechariah and Elizabeth were PKs, all right? Zechariah was from the division of priests called Abijah. Now, I want to tell you about this, because there's a lot of details that, that, 
that are very key with this. Um, that division, there's 24 divisions of priests in all of Israel. So think of it as 24 campuses, 24 church campuses. Abijah is the eighth one. Um, Abijah is in the southern part of Judea. It's south of Jerusalem. It's rural. You could say they were country folk. That's where they, they were from the south. The Bible says they were advanced in years, so they were a part of 50 plus at their church. I saw my shot and I took it. I'm, 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 like, I'm, I'm like three years away, so I'm totally good. Some scholars believe that because back then they lived a little longer, there wasn't chemicals, there wasn't stuff in the air, so they lived longer. Some scholars believe that Zechariah and Elizabeth were in their 70s, maybe even 80s. Those women, those of you who are in your 70s and 80s, can you imagine having a child at this age? <laughs> I don't know what she said, but I guess it was funny. Let's say it this way, they were well beyond childbearing age. The Bible says they were righteous in God's eyes, and they were careful to obey God's commands. One translation says they were blameless. The word blameless means they were innocent of wrongdoing. Now, we know that all have sinned, and all have fallen short. Every single human that has ever walked this earth has sinned, except for one, even as good as Zachariah and Elizabeth were, you would have to believe they've messed up at some point. But overall, they were good people. They kept God's commands. They followed his ways. But here's the deal. They couldn't have children. They were barren. Just like nowadays, it's devastating for them to not be able to have a child. If you have experienced this, you know what... They're probably feeling here. But what's different then than now is it came with a stigma. It was considered disgraceful if a woman could not have a child. People would say, they can't have kids. I wonder what sin Elizabeth committed. I wonder why she's living under this cloud of shame because God is obviously punishing her or punishing them. What did they do wrong? That was the stigma in those days. You see, it wasn't on the man. You know, nowadays, if a couple can't conceive, they run tests on the woman. They run tests on the man. They figure, what, figure out what's going on, and they move, they move from there. Back then, it wasn't on the man. It was all on the woman. In that culture, if a woman couldn't become pregnant, it was because she must have sinned. Or there's a generational curse that had followed her from generations you know, before her. Aren't you glad that when Jesus took his last breath and said, It is finished that the veil that was between God and us was torn in two, and all generational curses were broken. All sin was atoned for. We sang about it today. And all we have to do is confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. But people would whisper, 
And they'd say, why is God mad at them? And you know it had to be difficult for Elizabeth. Because remember, she's a pastor's wife. Not only to be childless, not only to understand that people talk and people gossip and and people are going to say things and they're going to assume, but she had to be happy for all her friends when her friends found out that they were pregnant. We're so excited, Elizabeth. We're going to have our first child. We're going to have our second child. We're going to have our third child. Elizabeth, when are you going to have a baby? And she would say, I I don't know, maybe one of these days. And you'd have to think that she would wear a mask in those moments, keeping it all together for the sake of being a pastor's wife, only to maybe break down in private because of the heartache that she had for not being able to have a child. And here's another thing. It would have been perfectly acceptable. It would have raised no eyebrows at all if Zechariah would have left her to marry a younger thing. That, 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 that was culture. But here's the deal. Zechariah stayed faithful to his wife. He went against protocol the day. He stayed married to his wife. And they never stopped praying, God, would you please give us a child? So before we move on, I want to ask you a question. What is your stigma? What is that one thing that you have prayed for for years that you feel like has gone unanswered? Stigma is defined as a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. You could say that stigma is when someone views you in a negative way because you have a distinguishing characteristic or personal trait that is thought to be or actually is a disadvantage. In other words, stigma is a negative stereotype. What's your stigma? What have they labeled you? What cloud is hanging over your head? What prayer have you prayed for years, maybe even decades, and it's never been answered? And it feels like there's this eight-foot ceiling or even a veil of just shame that's over you. Verse 8 in Luke chapter 1 says, One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple. For his order was on duty that week, and as was custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. This is a lot of stuff that I had cut out because I wanted to tell you how all of this works, but I don't have the time today. But I do want to tell you this. Zechariah is serving in the temple two times per year. Each priestly division, remember there's 24 of them, they're the eighth one, each priestly division would serve in the temple. It's believed that each division had anywhere from four to nine what they would call houses or campuses of priests within each division. Each house or campus of priests consisted of about 150 priests. So if you do all the math, 
In Israel at this time, there's anywhere from 18 to 20,000 priests in Israel. There's a lot of priests. That's a lot of pastors. That's a lot of divas right there. Okay? A lot of quick-tempered, emotional people right there. At least that's what my wife tells me. I don't know. Twice per day, a priest would enter the holy place of the temple, not the most holy place. That was only for the high priest once a year, Yom Kippur. But the holy place just in front of that, only, only uh, they would enter that uh, twice per day. The holy place had the lampstand. If you know any, I, I would love to have the time to teach this to you, but the, there, there was the lampstand or the menorah on the left and the table of bread on the right, and right in the middle there was an altar, what they would call the altar of incense. And they would choose which priest would go into the temple. The, the, what we just read, it said by lot. Not Abraham's nephew, Lot. He's already dead. That's a long time ago. But by the rolling of dice. That's how they would choose which priest. Only one could go in. Or drawing straws, you could say. Zechariah's number was called. This is where it gets fun right here. You could say that out of 18,000 total priests in Israel, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And maybe, just maybe, God set him up. Maybe God's setting you up. Verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, so, he, so what they would do is they would burn incense, the, the, the smoke would rise, and that signified the prayers of the people, that the, the prayers would rise. That's why they would burn the incense. Verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right, so from you this way, but standing to the right of the altar of incense. Verse 12, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. The angel said, don't be afraid. Angels always say that. Fear not. Okay there, Mr. Angel. What, what would you do? I'm serious. What, what would you do? I, maybe you have seen an angel before. I have not. What would you do? I don't know what I would do if I walked in here, I was the first one in the morning, and I came in here, and an angel was standing right here. I, have, I think I'd walk in and say, yep, I'm, I think I'm going to, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I know, you know, some of you would be like, well, I would fall on my face and worship the Lord. Well, I, I can't say that. I don't know what I would do. I mean, every single person, when an angel visits them, it says they are, they're fearful. You know, so I, I, I don't have a clue what would happen there. I was thinking this week about angels and I was thinking about how, you know, angels are not God. They're not human. They're, 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 they're spiritual beings. And they've always been in the presence of God. They know what the glory of God is like, right? They get to experience things that we have no words to explain. We don't have the vocabulary to explain 
the things that they have experienced. But I was thinking about this. There's one thing that the angels will never get to experience. They'll never know what it's like to be redeemed. They, have, they will never know. They will never know what it's like to be purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. Chew on that this week. Verse 14. So we know Zechariah is just overcome with fear. This angel just spoke to him. Elizabeth is going to give you a son, and you're going to name him John. Verse 14. Now he start, the angel starts telling him, here's what John's going to accomplish. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, listen to this, even before his birth. Let's talk about this for a second. God said, the, according to like the, the Nazarite vow that they would take, those in, back in those days who were called or who had made a special vow to God, they, they, they couldn't cut their hair, um, they couldn't touch anything dead, and they could not eat anything with, uh, that consisted of grapes or raisins. So no alcoholic drinks. And that's why they called him John the Baptist. Man, you guys did not get that joke. I thought it was funny. Okay. I'm kind of like John the Baptist. I'm like a little unorthodox. I get it. I understand. Filled with the Holy Spirit before his birth. Under the influence of God as a fetus. And in the next few weeks, you're going to learn that Elizabeth received the Holy Spirit when Mary came to visit her. The Bible says that at the sound of Mary's voice, that John the Baptist basically did a somersault in her belly. He was so excited to hear her. And then you're going to learn about Zechariah received the Holy Spirit when he went public with what the baby's name. When John was born, they said, what's his name? And he was mute. We're going to learn this in a second. But he gestured. He wrote it on a, on a tablet. His name is John. And he was instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. I tell you this today. The point I want to make to you is I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you're single, if you're widowed, if you're divorced, if you are adopted, if you are, uh, uh, grew up in a foster family. I don't care. God moves and does incredible things even in the unborn. Always remember, doesn't matter your status. God wants to move in your life. Verse 16. Let me say this real quick. Mom and dad, pray for your kids, but those of you who don't have children yet, pray for your unborn child. Pray for your unborn child. Speak things over them. There's something powerful, especially when a father blesses that child, when a father speaks those things over those children. Verse 16, and he, he goes on telling, this is what John is going to do. This is the angel. He says, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with a spirit and power of Elijah. 
He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. In the Old Testament, 400 years prior and even longer, there were these prophets who would say, there's a king coming. There's a king He's coming. Daniel, Jeremiah, we've talked about a a prophet, not this Zechariah, but another Zechariah, a prophet in the Old Testament. There's a king coming. All of them prophesied of this coming king, and then nothing. God went silent for about 400 years. The last Old Testament prophet, this is the last book in the Old Testament, His name's Malachi. I want to read to you what Malachi says in chapter 4. Remember what we just read. Look at what Malachi says in chapter 4. He says, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah. This was prophesied 400 years before Zechariah and Elizabeth. I am sending you uh, the prophet Elijah uh, before the great and dreadful day the Lord arrives. This is is judgment day. Verse 6. Listen to this. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. That's a prophecy getting ready to be fulfilled right here. 400 years prior, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah. Another translation says one like Elijah. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers. You could say it like this. John the Baptist was the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He is the one in the New Testament, if you want to say there was ever a prophet in the New Testament, it was John the Baptist. Because he's the one that said, prepare the way. The king is here. And I love so much the Bible and how the gospel, when we read something that is spoken 400, 700 years prior, and then Jesus confirms it. This is one of the things, when I was in Israel last year, this is one of the most astonishing things that I learned. I learned so much about how things were prophesied and Jesus fulfilled it. Verse 18. So the angel comes. He says, I am... I have been sent, and here's what's going to happen. Your wife's going to have a baby, and here's what he's going to do. Verse 18, Zechariah said, how can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is well along in years. You notice he said, I'm an old man, and he didn't say my wife's an old woman. He was smart. Listen to this. How can I be sure this will happen? An angel just told you something. And maybe, I know I would be a little hesitant probably if I saw an angel, especially if they spoke something like this and I was 80 years old. Verse 19, then the angel said, he reveals who he is. He says, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the very presence of God, and it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Only two angels in the whole Bible reveal their names, and that's Gabriel and Michael. God didn't send just any angel. He sent what is called an archangel. An archangel is the captain, the commander, the, the, the admiral. He is over all the other angels. And God shows Gabriel to make this point to us today. Gabriel says, I stand. I want you to catch this. This is the key point for today. Gabriel says, I stand in the very presence of God. He didn't say, I just got out of the presence of God. He didn't say, uh, um, I, I, I was there a second ago and God sent me to tell you this message. He said, I am standing right now in this very moment. I stand in the presence of God. It's as if Gabriel had, had one foot in heaven and one foot on earth and he was standing in front of a man who was scared to death to deliver a message to him. And what I want you to understand today, this is the key point that I want you to get today. In the moments where heaven and earth intersect, at that moment, those are the times that God does the impossible. Those are the times that God just does astonishing things. Gabriel is saying, I am standing right now in the presence of God. He's speaking to me right now, and he told me to tell you that you're going to have a son, and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Verse 20 said that because of Zechariah's unbelief, he was put on mute. And I don't know if this is God punishing him. I don't don't know what's happening here. I studied this a lot, and there's really not a conclusion. Brandon, you can come up. I don't know if that's God punishing him. I have no idea. But this is the thought that that the Lord dropped in my heart, I think, Thursday afternoon. Because I was thinking, God, what what can I take from this? You put Zechariah, you took his voice away. What are you trying to say right here? I am 46 years old. I'll be 47 in May. I've been, I've been a believer for about 38 years. God has never put me on mute. But I wonder, how does God feel when I like faith? How does God feel when he speaks something to us and we don't believe it. Zachariah is human. I get it. But how many times has the Lord spoke something to you and you didn't believe it? How does that make God feel? Folks, God takes what he has spoken very serious even when we think it's absurd. 
And this is what happened with Zechariah. I am Gabriel, and I'm standing right now in the presence of God, and he just told me to tell you that your wife, Elizabeth, who is old, is going to have a son, and that son is going to prepare the way for the king that's coming that had been prophesied 400 years ago. And Zechariah said, how can I be so sure? I'll ask you again, what has God spoken to you? What prayer have you prayed for years and years and years and years? What did God speak to you a long time ago and it hasn't happened yet? And maybe, just maybe, it's because of your unbelief. Folks, I'm, pre- I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm preaching to me. Don't miss a moment when God's speaking to you. Even if it takes 400 years to happen, even if it takes a lifetime to happen, don't miss a moment. Hang on to that promise. Don't stop praying for that one thing that others have labeled as a stigma in your life. Verse 21, wrapping up here. Meanwhile, the people were waiting. Zechariah is still in the sanctuary. Remember, only one could go in. And they're all standing outside. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. They're like, man, this guy really likes to pray right here. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And I, this didn't hit me till today. Um, right, I, was, I got here to to kind of go over my message, but what in the world did he gesture? How could, how could he have, you know, is he like, there's an angel, you know, my wife's going to have a baby, you know, how did he gesture that? What did he do? In verse 23, it said, when Zachariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, Elizabeth became pregnant. So they had to serve for one week. He got home. Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. We don't know why. We, uh, I studied it and no one knows. And here's what Elizabeth said in verse 25. How kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. This confirms that it was disgraceful in those days in that culture if a woman couldn't have a baby. And here's what I want to wrap up today, and then we're going to pray. I want to go back to this one question that I asked you earlier. What is your stigma? What's the one thing that you have prayed for year after year? Maybe for decades. It's never come to pass. Maybe you've stopped praying for it for whatever reason. Maybe you think you're too old. Maybe you've decided to give up on it. It's not happened by now, Jason. I'm just kind of going to let it go. Maybe God spoke something to you a long time ago. You've given up on it. And here, here is what I know to be true, at least in my life. If you give up, if you quit, the guarantee is it's not going to happen. 
Because the Bible is very specific. It tells us don't stop praying. Don't stop petitioning God. Make your request be known. Come boldly before the throne. If you give up, it's probably not going to happen. But if you keep praying, if you keep seeking, if you, if you keep asking, if you keep knocking, if you keep the door open, God maybe, just maybe, would do something extraordinary in your life. But you've got to keep the door open. Don't give up. Keep praying. And watch what God will do in your life. He can take an ordinary person and he can do something absolutely astonishing in their life. All right? Let me pray for you today. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful, God, that you sent your son to us. So thankful that you took that thing that was so important to you, the very most important thing to you, your son, and you gave him to us. Your word says that you made him who who knew no sin to be our sin. God, we just love you and we thank you and we give you all praise and honor and I pray that you would just minister in this moment. As I know, as this week, God, I've prayed, I knew there, there would be almost a wrestle in the room because I feel that so many people, God, have given up on something that you have spoken to them that they have prayed for for years. So God, would you move in this moment? And if you would, with if you would just keep your head bowed, eyes closed, and for a moment, I just want to ask you that one question again. What is your stigma? What is the prayer that you have been praying? What have you stopped believing for? Where have you lost hope? Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.